Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Welcome, Brad, to the podcast. I love that our mutual friend Renee connected us. Thank you for being here today. Melissa and Chris, I have been so looking forward to this conversation. You know, we've we've had an opportunity to kind of pre-connect and found out there's a whole bunch of things that I think uh, are super interesting about what you guys do and uh, what, what I'm trying to do. And I'm really excited about what we're going to come up with today. Yeah, for sure. Same here. You know, I, I always love Brad, like you've had, like, I think everyone has an interesting story and a really unique, fascinating story. And your story of just the journey of what led you to do what you do professionally and some of the principles and the book you have coming out. So we're going to talk about all that, but I just, I'd be curious myself, like, what led you on the journey of like kind of what you did professionally in the toy industry? Like what got you there and some of your life philosophies around it? Yeah. Well, first of all, it wasn't an obvious path for me. You know, I, um, I grew up in the prairies of Canada and, um, you know, that region is known for two things, agriculture and oil. And so if you go back there, which I just was last week, actually, that is still the predominant industries that drive everything there. However, my family was a bit contrary and even to that. I came from a line of chiropractors. My father was a chiropractor. His father and mother were chiropractors. And then my great-grandfather was actually the very first chiropractor in Denmark. Mm. And so, you know, ever since I was about this high, uh, I was told, you're going to grow up and be a chiropractor like your daddy. And I just kind of nodded and say, yep. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I'm going to do because that's just what Peterson's do. I mean, take a look at my family. Everybody here is a chiropractor. And so what I can tell you, though, is that as I was growing up and through uh, sort of those early teen years, uh, I, was, I wasn't the best kid. I mean, I, I never got into real trouble, but I was always mischievous. Like I got into, I, did, I was a prankster. I did a lot of things I probably shouldn't do. I mean, I got the strap three times in school, which tells you a little bit about the era I grew up in. But that was just kind of a part of just growing up and, and discovering, you know, what was unique about me. And one of the things that I found was unique is I was just incredibly curious and particularly around um, things that were playful and particularly things that potentially could become a business or create business opportunities. So at an early age, I was trading things, whether that was baseball cards, in our case, hockey cards, because in Canada, we, we focus more on that. You know, right down to sneaking into golf courses at night to dive in the pond and collect golf balls and then come back and sell them in egg cartons, five bucks for a dozen balls. Um, and then in, when I was 16 years old, I started my very first legitimate business, meaning that I, um, well, it wasn't fully legitimate, but it still is one of my favorite ones. It was a woodcutting business. And the reason that was really accessible for me is that I grew up on an acreage that was on my grandparents' farm and we had access to endless forests and I had my dad's truck his chainsaw, and a splitting mall. And so my cost of goods was basically nothing. All it was required was my sweat equity. And I advertised in the local paper that I would deliver a quarter of woods for 60 bucks, which was $5 cheaper than competition. And my phone was ringing off the hook. 
And uh, this was an amazing way for me to sort of fund early exploits as a young guy. And I was always into the outdoors and adventure. So I basically used all that funding to be able to go and, and be playful in the outdoors. Fast forward to I'm 19 years old. And I read an article in a magazine. Now, by the way, I'm in school to be a chiropractor. So I've gone down this path that I'm going to be a chiropractor. And there was a break period, um, which we'll probably talk about later, but I met my, my would-be wife in, in university. And she had one more year left from her degree. And I was done mine. And we were going to go back. We were going to go together down to a chiropractic school. She kind of let me know that long-distance relationships weren't her thing. But during that break, uh, I was doing some really crappy jobs, things that, you know, would motivate me to look for a better way to uh, make a living. And I read this uh, magazine article about a kid who invented this toy. And it was kind of a rags to riches story. And it was also a flying toy. And I was always fascinated with flight. Like those were, that was, you know, not only was I very playful, but I just, I love things that fly. And, um, you know, as I read this article, I got curious about the possibilities of maybe I could buy these and bring them into Canada and maybe sell them. And fortunately for me, he was as naive about Canada as I was about the toy business, but that made sort of a motley crew of a partnership. So I became his distributor and that embarked me on this sort of very contrarian path of becoming uh, involved in the toy business. Did you finish chiropractic school or that was it? <laughs> well, you know, it was supposed to be like a a temporary thing, right? I was going to like buy these things. I was going to sell them. I was basically a carny. I went to to fairs and festivals and how you had to sell them, you had to throw them around. Uh, so that was just going to be for like a summer season, but I got addicted to it. I got addicted to this possibility. And so at the end of that year, uh, I was supposed to go to chiropractic school and I said, you know what? I, I actually am really loving this and I, I think I can build something here. So I said, I'm just going to put off chiropractic for another year. And uh, so that just led to another year and that led to another year. And can my business continue to grow and to develop? And so the answer is no, I never did go back, probably to my parents' chagrin. I never did become the chiropractor they expected, but it took me to, to this really fascinating world of toys. And um, yeah, it was, uh, was going to be uh, an adventure that I would never expect. It's awesome. I love it. It was interesting. I mean, I know a little, obviously, for backstory of the toy industry and, and the book that's coming out. But the amount of times you used the word playful and curious to describe just you, it's like, oh, it totally makes sense that that, that being something that just was naturally occurring in you to be playful and curious, it was probably like finding the toy industry was like, oh, wow, like this totally lines up. So one of the things I'm curious about is how how important do you think it is for our kids to be able to experience being playful and like fostering their curiosity? Look, I think it's baked into the DNA of our, our humanity is play is how we grow. It's how we learn. It's how we problem solve. Quite frankly, mm -hmm. playing with toys, that is the whole point of it. it is a, it's a developmental tool. Like when parents buy their kids a Lego set, secretly they actually think they're going to become engineers, right? Like it's, yes, it's a play experience, but they're like, this is going to help them with problem solving and building and creativity. And so, you know, George Bernard Shaw said, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Mm. And I'm just um, a big believer that part of what separates us apart from all other uh, creation is that we, first of all, we thrive in relationships. We were born to build meaningful relationships with others, connected relationships. Second, we were given this amazing godlike ability to create. And creativity is spurned by playfulness and curiosity. That's the very beginning. 
like even as entrepreneurs, like we literally are being curious about what is this problem out there that we see. And we start applying playfully creativity to how we could solve that problem. Mm. And, you know, I think part of the challenges is as we get older and we become mature, we start to play less. We start to laugh less. We lose that overall curiosity. And I, I think we're really, really called to be continually curious. Uh, and in fact, I believe it's a part of a flywheel that really drives our human experience. Awesome. I had a mentor one time who used to always say, there's only two things that get people to change, um, excruciating pain or intense curiosity. Mm. And he said, unfortunately, most people are kind of in the middle. And uh, I've had experiences of, of, of both. And so I think fostering this curiosity. Another thing you said earlier is I was so drawn to the possibility of it, like the mm. toy industry. And I think that's a really amazing thing to teach our children too, is to like, to like push the boundaries of what's possible. Like look at what could be possible as a creator, like to occur for themselves as creators. That's one of our family's values is Smiths are creators. Hmm. There's an element of that that has creativity. And there's an element of that that's just, you're the creator of possibility in your world. Like you want something to change, like occur, occurring for yourself as a creator is a really powerful identity, I think. Uh, I mean, so powerful. In fact, you know, in life, we are, we, we can be in one of two states. We can be at cause or in effect. And when you're at cause, you're purposefully leaning into life. You're leaning into what is the potential. I mean, I think the whole part of our human experience is to discover all the possibilities within us. You mm -hmm. know, my father used to say to me that, you know, your life is God's gift to you. What you do with that life is your gift back to God. And one of my mentors, Jim Rohn, said, you know, in life, you may not be able to do all you find out, but make sure you find out all you can do. Mm. And my goal is really to, I want to wear out. I don't want to rust out. I want to know when I'm laying on my deathbed that I've left it all behind on the field of life, that there was nothing within my potential that I didn't lean into to try and explore. Because at the end of the day, we're called to be creators. We're called to build positive impact for both people and the planet. In fact, this great garden we were given, our mandate was to be the stewards of it, to be the caretakers. Unfortunately, we've been incredible takers instead of caretakers, but it still comes down to where we, where we thrive in life is when we're growing and when we're giving. And those two things got to go together as a part of how we make the most of this human experience. Yeah, it's awesome. I think that's really profound. I think so many people, myself included, are always looking at, I want to thrive more. I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want that? But I like how you said that, that it's a combination of growing and, and giving. I think that's very profound. I think, you know, maybe I'll rewind back to the toy business. If you're okay with that, I'll take you on a bit of a journey because, yeah. you know, you heard I was in the toy business, but most people don't know how the story unfolds. So going back in time, I start this toy company kind of, a you know, bootstrapping out of my basement. Uh, fast forward five years, I now have this growing, thriving business that has a bunch of brands that we're distributing across the country. And, you know, by the early 2000s, we are one of the fastest growing companies in Canada. We've been literally on what's called the Profit 100 list five years in a row. So the top 100 fastest growing companies in Canada. I'm nominated as Ernst & Young uh, Entrepreneur of the Year. I've got speaking engagements. I'm, I mean, it's feeling awesome. I mean, I just, I can't lose. Everything is just working. And I go on vacation, Christmas vacation at 2006, feeling we just had a record year, feeling good about life and myself. And I get a call uh, on my way back from my business partner at the time. He says, we have a problem. And I said, really, what's, what's the problem? 
He says, I don't think our numbers are adding up. And I think we may have some issues with our bank. It turns out we had implemented a new ERP earlier that year. Um, and unfortunately, it was not a really smooth implementation. So we were making decisions on junk data. And as we started to unpack the data, we found out that we were underwater with our covenants with the bank. And banks and their covenants, they kind of hold those things. I mean, a covenant is a promise. <laughs> so when you break a promise that you're not going to go into certain debt to equity ratios or go outside of that, um, they tend to frown on that. So within a very short period of time, we were in special loans. Fast forward to a few months later, we are restructuring the company, which is just a fancy word for bankruptcy, um, so that we can inject new fresh capital because we had to try and figure out how to, how to fix our balance sheet. Two years after that, uh, we're bankrupting the company for good. And at that time in my life, I was in such an incredible state of shame because I had seven figures of friends and family money in the company. Um, you know, I came from a small community in, in Alberta where a lot of people like they invested into this wonder kid who was off doing these amazing things. And my identity was all built up mm. into this business. And what I've come to learn is that sometimes the best gifts come wrapped in ugly paper. That was an incredibly tumultuous time in my business career, but it became an inflection point to stop and reflect and learn from that and then choose again. And quite frankly, if I wasn't forced to, to do that, I would never have created what would ultimately become a better toy company just two years later. And what I've found in life is it's really hard to learn what to do necessarily. Like success is a, a sucky teacher. We tend to learn really best from when we, we make mistakes. I, I like to say that you know mastery is forged on the mountaintop of mistakes. That's where you really get clear on what not to do. And I just basically took, here's all the things I never want to do again in the old business model that broke. And I created a new business model that took me from being a distributor to a manufacturer, from being focused on Canada to going international, from being focused on inventory and warehouses, lots of showrooms and employees, to lean me machine that shipped products direct from Asia. And in the end, that second business model was infinitely more impactful and more rewarding and had more results than the first one that I never would have known if this first one hadn't uh, come to that demise. So I've just come to learn in life that in the moment, it can really be difficult when you're going through these struggles. Um, you know, these struggles, they can beat the strength into you or beat it out of you. You mm -hmm. have to decide what it means because everything that happens just happens. You decide whether it happened to you or for you. And um, through my business journey, which has had several highs and lows, because a toy business, by the way, there's no such thing as a average, okay toy company. You're either like crushing it or you're not because uh, it's very fad driven. And uh, I think it's kind of topical by today's standard, knowing that the Barbie movie is, is, is suddenly got this, this mass uh, attraction to it. But there's very rare to find a brand like Barbie that can actually go the distance. Most things come and they go. And so because of that, companies, they, they thrive and then they die at a really rapid pace. But it's, it's also the way that, that the dynamics there are what formed the character that allowed me to then move on to better opportunities in the future. Yeah, I love that. And it's it's funny. I was just telling someone today about the family brand podcast. They, they didn't know, you know, that I was just saying how amazing Melissa's done. Like she hasn't missed a weekly episode in almost three years. And just what we've what, what we're creating with family brand. And I said, and family brand was born out of Melissa and I's separation near divorce. We were, you know, 14 years ago. And had we not almost gotten divorced and had we not gotten to the lowest point of our lives, family brand as 
a service to humanity wouldn't exist today. It's kind of interesting to think about, you know? And, and so it's just like, yeah, I love that message of like, yeah, the, the success is forged out of the hard times and success. Like I, what'd you say? Success is not a very good teacher. <laughs> it's the struggles. <laughs> it's, it's mastery is forged on the mountaintop mistakes because success is a sucky teacher. I don't learn from my successes very well. I don't think any of us do. In fact, totally. I would tell you that success and growth sugarcoat your problems. More money just makes you more of who you really are. So when you create more success and more monetary means, it just amplifies. And well, I, my experience anyways, it just amplifies your inadequacies. Mm. So it's so good to hear someone's experience though, like when they're have come through it, because I think when you're in the middle of it, like if you're listening to this and you're in the middle of that, it feels like, like for you, for example, in the middle of that bankruptcy, it felt like I'm sure I may never recover from this or I don't know how it felt to you exactly but I think it's yeah. so good to remember like perspective of people who have gone before and remember like okay I will get through this and I'm going to come out even better even stronger yeah I think uh Melissa's had a lot of people reach out to her through Instagram because of the podcast mm -hmm. and I've just said man uh, thank you for sharing the story of you and Chris struggling and being at this place of hopelessness because we're there now like you know, that, that has been a lot of people over the last few years. And, and, and even though they might have a hard time seeing a pathway forward, just like we did, just to hear that someone else did maybe gives a little bit of hope to that maybe that's possible and that they have something worth fighting for, which also kind of leads me to your book, which, so, so Brad has an amazing book coming out in November, right, Brad? November. Yes. And it's, it's kind of interesting. Now I look at these different, I look at, I have the, the, outline of the chapters here in front of me. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm assuming every one of these chapters to some degree came from a hard lesson or a failure or a challenge that now resulted in, oh, I could share something of wisdom here around, you know, GI Joes and, you know, uh, Monopoly and those types of things. So talk to us a little bit about this amazing book, like, because, yeah, we want people to, you know, buy the book. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, first of all, I just want to say I love the fact that you guys developed uh, family brands as a result of the adversities you went through and how you turn that to your advantage because that gives you credibility. It's not theory. You've, you know, someone with an experience is never at the mercy of someone with an opinion. You guys have lived it and you've come through it. And, you know, your scars are proof that you were stronger than what tried to kill you. So yeah, you mm. have scars as a result of that, but you got battle hardened as a result and it's galvanized you as a couple and my wife and i can relate because you know we'll have this weekend actually will be 29 years and um Amazing. you know i'm gonna tell you she probably should have hit the eject button several times along the way because <laughs> i put her through some pretty extraordinary uh circumstances but you know to my uh forever uh gratitude she has stuck with me through thick and thin and um yeah i'm super i think you know my father used to say that if money can solve your problems it's not really a problem Real problems are with your health and your family, right? Mm. If those break, that's a real problem. So, but yes, to the book. Um, look, I, uh, this started off as a memoir. You know, I was in the toy business for almost 30 years. In many ways, I feel like my experiences were Forrest Gump-like. You know, I, I recall, does everyone here recall Y2K? Uh, the, the turn of the century, there was going to be like a computer meltdown and nuclear missiles were going to potentially be firing across the planet. But um you know, I, I, I start off kind of recalling events to that. I was in New York on 9-11. I was only a few blocks away. That's where our office were. I was in 
in Europe during when the volcano went off and then air travel was stranded because of the ash cloud, you know? So there's just all these things that happened that were kind of surreal in a lot of ways and places. And I said, I just kind of memorialize all these things that happened, not to mention going through three bankruptcies and being fired from a company I founded. So I, I thought, I'm just going to memorialize this for myself. And, you know, I started sharing some of the early chapters with some of my community and they were like, you know, Brad, this is like really helpful stuff. I think you should think beyond just a, a memoir. You should make something out of this that I think other founders would benefit from. Mm. So that became the basis of just kind of taking the memoir and structuring it into something that I was going to be playful with uh, because I'm a big kid and I came from the toy space. So title is Startup Santa and it's 10 business lessons learned from timeless toys. And the idea is, you know, mostly the wisdom of my wounds. So things that I, I did wrong because that's where I tend to learn the best. Unfortunately, I'm a slow learner. So, and I've repeated some mistakes a few times, but each, each chapter takes an iconic toy like GI Joe's or Monopoly or Jenga, things that you would know that you played with growing up. It tells some of the background story of where those toys came from. More importantly, what do they teach us? Like, what's the point of that toy? What's the, the principles? And then I tie it into stories that I've lived through being the real life Santa Claus. And, um, and then what are the principles they unpack? And, um, you know, my, my, my goal is really to focus on founders, entrepreneurs who are starting out and give them the unfair advantage of learning from my mistakes. I wish I would have had a book like this when I was uh, first starting out, because I think there's a whole bunch of lessons that you can learn from without having to go through it on your own. There's two different ways to learn life, knowledge, which is actually going through it, and wisdom, learning from someone else's mistakes. So I want to pass on the wisdom here instead of you having to experience the knowledge. And so that would be the first sort of person I'd focus on. And the second person would be maybe uh, an entrepreneur who's been at it a while, maybe a little long in the tooth, and maybe they're not seeing the results that they'd hope for, and maybe feeling a little burned out and discouraged, and are looking for some inspiration. Because I really believe in, you know, you, we talked about creativity, imagination, and possibilities, and we start dying when we believe our best days are behind us, not ahead of us. And I truly believe that your entire life, there is another chapter ahead of you that's better than the one before. You just have to see how it's going to change and how you have to shift to be prepared to play into that. Yeah, you're not going to have the same physical stamina in your you know, 50s, like I just turned 50, that you would have in your 20s. Although I would argue I'm trying very hard to keep it that way, but <laughs> there are certain things you can't control. But your ability to make impact, your ability to influence and to pay it forward is is all within your domain. And so the book is really, I think, there to help, again, young founders starting out or ones that are on the path and just feeling that they need that little bit of inspiration to help them get back on track so they believe that their best days are ahead of, not behind them. That's awesome. And I love the name Startup Santa. Any any story behind how you landed on that? You know, because I know that can be a confronting, you know, we we just we just wrote our book. It's not out yet, but it's coming similar, maybe timeline is yours. But what was the process of choosing a title and landing on Startup Santa? Well, first of all, I, I'm the real life Santa Claus. I mean, I'm a toy maker from the North. I live in Canada. We are very close neighbors of North Pole. So uh, I just don't have as big a beard or belly, thank God. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I can certainly relate to what it is to be the toy maker who's bringing goods to provide joy and happiness Christmas morning. But I also wanted to tease out that it's a business, like a startup. Um, I'm not just a regular Santa who just, you know, just shows up with a bag of toys. Behind that, there is a business. Mm -hmm. And I want to expose the learnings from my business of toy making 
again, mostly from mistakes I learned. And, um, you know, so while Startup Santa may not be the obvious title, you know, the subtitle, the 10 business lessons learned for, through timeless toys is really supposed to tease out for you that, okay, this is a business learning opportunity for you. And hopefully these lessons are going to be impactful to shaping your trajectory. One of the things we talk a lot about, Brad, is the fact that a lot of, a lot of the family brand curriculum and education and, and ideas were from business books, like true principles that work in successful businesses. It's like, and Melissa and I, you know, we're like, well, if this works in a business, if this helps you build a stronger culture in a business, it would apply to a family. If this helps you build, you know, more retention in your business, this would apply to family. And so share with us a principle from the book that you think, yeah, it absolutely applies to a business, but what's a principle in the book that also would benefit a family? Okay. I mean, there's so many, because again, I don't think there's compartmentalization. In right. life. I think it's all interdependent. Um, so let's talk about the Jenga chapter as an example. So um, if you play Jenga, it's an awesome game. You got to move the blocks carefully. You'll know there's some blocks that are foundational and there's some blocks that are flexible. And it's very important to pick the right block because if you pick one of the foundational blocks, it all comes tumbling down, right? Mm. And so like that, I use that as a parallel for your life. Um, now, for me, my values are represented by where I spend my time, right? So if you aspire that you're, you have a value of family or faith or fitness and you're not putting time there, then you can't truly say it was valuable because your value is the one thing that is most valuable to you is your time and your attention and where you invest it. So the idea that I unpack there is that in my life, there's eight values that I focus on. So they are faith, family, fitness, finances. And when I say finances, I just talk about the economic engine. So what is it you love? What are you good at? And how can you drive the economic engine from it? So it just summarizes finances. And then there's fun, fitness, finishing or refining. It didn't go perfectly with the F alliteration. <laughs> and then finally, freedom. And what I talk about is that the first four of faith, family, fitness, and finances, those are foundational blocks. The others are flexible blocks. So you have to be really conscientious of how you're investing your time. And I also talk about that, you know, not all seasons of life are the same. So for instance, when you're a founder starting a business, like there's a lot of effort required to start a startup. You know, they, you know, one of Elon's rockets to get outside of the atmosphere burns up 90% of his fuel just to accomplish that. So it takes extraordinary amount of effort just to get that sort of escape velocity. Similarly, in a business, there's going to be a time in life where you're going to be out of balance, where you're going to have to put an extraordinary amount of time in that season to get the business off the ground. But as long as you're aware and as long as you have agreement with those it's going to impact that you know for this period of time, you're going to need to put some additional effort into that, then it's okay. But if it becomes the status quo going forward, that's a problem. Hmm. So I'm a big believer that there's no such thing as balance. There's just awareness of imbalance. And the two ways I audit my imbalance is my calendar, where I'm spending my, my if you, I, I do a weekly review, like how much time do I invest in each one of these buckets? And the second is my wife. And she's an amazing audit of my life. She has this ability to look into my life and let me know when I'm out of balance in certain areas. And that's a part of a, a ritual we do weekly. We do a check-in and we have this sort of connect point where we just go through a process that really allows us to be constantly engaged to make sure that we're aligned and we're on the same values. But um, what I would say is that in business, these principles apply as they do in family. That, you know, not all time is equal in life. Not all 
uh, areas of your life are going to require the same amount of effort at the same time. It's about understanding when you flex in and out of areas that are your values and also in understanding which ones are foundational and which ones are flexible. We also do a, um, a check-in with our, with our kids every week. And we call it that. We call it check-ins on Sunday afternoons. We say, hey, let's do our, our check-ins. And Chris and I as well. I'd be interested to hear maybe just a bit of what does your check-ins process look like or maybe questions. It's great. So Sundays are check-in day as well. Beginning of the week. Why not? Right. This is a day of gratitude. And I mean, we should always be grateful, but so it's evolved over time. I would say it's going to continue to evolve, but I'll tell you what it currently looks like. So we start off with gratitude because when your mind is, is focused on gratitude, scarcity can't really come in. You got to be sort of priming it. You know, I'm a big believer that thoughts you can't control, but you can, you know, it's like you can't control whether a bird lands in your head, but you can control if it necessary. So speaking gratitude into your lives, your, you and your wife's life, just allows you guys to focus on an abundance mindset right out of the gate. So we're going to be focused on problem solving instead of the scarcity of what you did wrong or what I did wrong and get into, you know, heated conflict. And so what we do is I rate myself now, and this is a nuance we'll tell, talk about it here in a second, but I rate myself and how I showed up as a father, husband, provider, lover. And I talk about um, what worked, what didn't work, and what I'm doing in the week ahead to make improvements on what didn't work and what, what, I'm, what I'm looking for from her in the week ahead. And she goes through the exact same list, except for she's a mother, she's a wife, she's a lover, and she's a homemaker. So we come from that perspective. What we did wrong in the beginning is we rated each other. <laughs> that doesn't work. That, uh, that's well. a very, very bad plan. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't recommend that. But all I can tell you is that at the end of that hour, and sometimes it goes a little longer, we typically go for a walk because um, I like to be moving. Uh, we just feel like we're back connected because during the week, you know, it's you, you start together and then you start to like get spread out. And even though we have date night weekly as well and other things, it just you get pulled apart. So that reconnection, that reinforcing, you know, I've come to learn that the opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy. And so we go out of our way to not be apathetic. You have to invest in things that are of value in your life. And as a husband, um, like I said, we've been together for 31 years, married 29. Um, it didn't happen by accident, right? The easiest thing to do is just let neglect come in. And, uh, you know, it's a slow, insidious process. So yeah. we invest in being proactive and in preventing that. Yeah, I love that. One of the things we say a lot within Family Brand is either you can decide what your marriage and your family are going to stand for. Or the world to do it for you. Mm, you know, there is that. no like in between, you know? Um, yep. And yeah, that's that. When families ask us a lot of times, is there one recommendation, there one thing? Because, you know, we have, we have a lot of rhythms and cadences we've created for families daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually. And the one thing though that we say, okay, if you're just going to do one, start doing a weekly check-in with your children. So Melissa and I, and then the, with our kids, it's two-on-one. So one kid at a time comes in. Hmm. This process, very intentional process we take them through. That allows us to really be connected, really create that belonging. Like we see you, we hear you, and then we check in with each other. And we always tell people, if there's one thing you do, start doing a weekly check-in with your spouse and start doing a weekly check-in with each of your children. And, and then we do a family check-in hmm. where the whole family comes together and we check in and it just, yeah, it really does move the needle in so many of the most important areas um, for our family. So I love that you and your wife do that. And 
I think we got, I got some ideas I want to try of yours uh, to incorporate into ours. That's awesome. I, I, I love yours as well. I think it's super cool. Uh, the family check-in. I mean, what we, my kids live in Toronto. We live in, in the West coast now. We have a family chat and we share pictures daily and, you know, send love notes and stuff. So that kind of keeps it connected, but it's not as good as in person, but you know, the kid piece too. I love that you're intentional with that because actually I would say that's where I screwed up. You know, I spent a huge part of my building years in the business where I was on the road like half the year. And, you know, my wife, I, I married way up. She over-indexed in terms of uh, not only did she stick around through hard difficulties, but she really was the parent for most of that. And it's actually only been in the last five years that I have felt that I've made some significant inroads with my kids. And in fact, you know, my kids last year said that it was the best year we've ever had as a family. And just for perspective, my daughter's going to be 25 this weekend. My son's 27. So, um, you know, it's also too late to get back to trying to build bridges instead of barriers. I love that because we have so many families actually who say like, oh, I wish I'd have my kids were young or it's too late for us. And, and Melissa always says it's never too early and it's never too late. Like we, we've had every family dynamic you could imagine. Single parents that have gone through family brand, uh, married couples with children at home, couples with no children, empty nesters. And so I love that, you know, and again, it goes back to, you know, the best is yet to come. Your best days are always ahead of you. You know, it's never too late to take a stand for your family. It's never too early to take a stand for your family and start where you're at and start to be intentional and kind of, you know, live, live your life by design as a family more than by default. So I love hearing that. That's awesome. Can I share something that's kind of been in a recent epiphany for me in the last sure. year in terms of just, you know, what your kids need from you, you know, maybe unpack it with a story. So the acronym I use is live. You need to live your life. And what live stands for is love. Your kids need unconditional love from you. I stands for inspiration. They need you to lead by example, not tell them what to do, but show them what to do. I think the most damaging thing for your kids is the unlived life of their parents, right? The V is for vulnerability. And I'll come back to the story on why I think that's an important one, but I think your kids need to know you're human. And the E is experiences. Making magic memories that matter with people who matter. I unpack a whole chapter of the book about how I think the only thing that really matters in life is the great experiences that you create with those that you love. And so for me, experiences now is like the focus, like our resources is about how do we build meaningful memories? In fact, M3 is my company's name, it stands for make magic memories. And that is what we're trying to do on a consistent basis. But back to vulnerability, because this was a big mistake and a big learning for me. So when I started growing my company, I got very involved in personal development and read a lot of books and listened to tapes and went to seminars and just, you know, got pretty heady with like theories and, and, you know, my kids, when they were in the vehicle with me, it was always plugged into some kind of a learning program. And, and what I didn't know is that I was actually creating this barrier disconnection because my kids saw me as a perfectionist. And whenever they came to me with a problem, I would subscribe a book or I would have some pithy quote or something of that nature. And uh, my daughter and I were in a heated discussion one day and uh, she suddenly burst into tears and said, this is just another example where we'll, I will never be good enough for you and burst out of the room. And I was just like, what, what just happened? And um, 
Fast forward to the next morning, uh, I went, knocked on her door, said, let's go for breakfast. We go to this restaurant. It's a busy breakfast place. We're sitting in the middle of this restaurant. She starts telling the story about how I just have been so unrelatable. She just doesn't think I can ever live up to my expectations. And, and we're sitting in this restaurant. I, I just landed on me that I, it was breaking my heart to hear my daughter uh, share her heart. And we're both crying in front of this restaurant, which was actually super cool now that I think back to it. But that became an, an inflection point in my relationship with my daughter, just to show up and be human and to have it not all figured out and actually show it's okay that I have questions and struggles and there's lots of things that you know I'm confused about and I'm still working on me. And fast forward to today, my kids out of re their own requests, have, uh, we have biweekly mentorship sessions that they've asked for. And we get together and they bring me kind of like an update of like what they're going on, their personal developments, their business development, community developments, and family developments. Those are the four buckets that they talk about. And, um, and it's just such an amazing exchange of, of ideas and insights that I just love that we get to share on a biweekly basis that I, I know that if I had not been vulnerable and been human to them, I never would have had that opportunity to share that. Amazing. It reminds me of something that happened not that long ago with, with Chris and our oldest. He just turned 16. We were just having, um, I don't even remember. It's been long enough that I don't remember exactly what was going on with him, but he didn't feel like we were parenting him well. <laughs> our son didn't. And Chris told him, you know, this is the first time I've been the parent of a, I think he was 15 at the time. This is the first time I've been the parent of a 15-year-old. Like, I'm just trying to figure this out, too. Just like this is the first time you've been 15. So like, let's come together and, and figure this out together. And it really was a, a turning point in the conversation because I think he did realize like, oh, maybe my parents don't, not that they don't have it figured out, but it's like, oh, I never con considered that. Oh, that my parents are just doing their best also, like just like I'm doing. I could totally relate to what you're saying, how that um, can make a big impact, that that vulnerability with our children, especially as they get older and, and our teenagers or adults. Yeah, yeah. Love it. No, it's awesome. I'm so excited for your book to come out. And like, for those of you who are listening or, or watching, you know, you don't know, but we have a sneak peek here of the chapters and just, just reading the outline of the chapters, you know, there's so much wisdom that again, I'm excited to read it for the purpose of my business and our, and, and our business. And I'm excited to, to apply like even just the Jenga principle of like, oh, yeah, what are the foundational blocks as it relates to my life, my family? What are the flexible blocks? And just, yeah, thanks, Brad, for being who you are. And I love your commitment to being playful, love your commitment to being curious. I think there's just a ton to learn in that alone. And that through play and curiosity is how we really step into who we are as creators and create more possibility for ourselves, for our families and for others. And I think we just need more, just more people out there committed to you know, family committed to making a difference, committed to making magic memories. I love that M3, make magic memories. We say that a lot. Like we just, a recent experience we had this summer, we got home and all of us were just like, it was magical. Like that's, that's mm -hmm. the only thing that we could all say about. So I love this idea of making magic memories. So every year we pick, in addition to our family's values, we, we pick a theme for the year that we think would be most useful to our family that year. And so at the end of the year, we ask each of our kids, what was your favorite part about the year? What was the worst part about the year? What do you think our family is doing well? What do you think our family could use the most support with? So we kind of crowdsource and then we present some ideas of like, hey, here's the different themes and we all vote on it and say, this is the thing we think would make the biggest difference for us. And then we always pick a quote to go with it. 
And so our quote this year is, fill your life with lots of experiences, not lots of things. Have incredible stories to tell, not incredible clutter in your closets. Mm, I love that. And that one quote, we have made so many decisions through the lens of just that Mm. one quote. Like, do we want to do this or do we not? Well, it would be an amazing experience. It would be an incredible story to tell. You know, let's do it. Or, you know, I don't think that lines up with like what we're focused on this year. And so this idea of making magic memories, I I love that as well. I uh, look, I think one of the chapters of my book in Monopoly, actually, I talk about uh, capitalism versus a free enterprise. And I kind of juxtapose it against socialism as sort of like most people think it as, okay, you're either a socialist or you're a capitalist. But I say, actually, there's a difference between capitalism and free enterprise. Free enterprise being about creating more freedom, freedom in people's lives. And capitalism focused more on profits, power, prestige, and pleasure. And I tell the story that, you know, if you think about, if you took your favorite memories from the last year or just take 10 years, when I ask that question, most people come up with, well, it's when I got married. It's when we had our kids. We went on this vacation. And, you know, they list things that typically are either a connection that was really meaningful, a challenge they overcame, right? They were able to, to do more to create experiences that mattered. And so, you know, whenever my wife and I are thinking about a decision about whether we buy something or we lean into something, it's always, is this going to be more of the four C's? Or pulling towards the four P's. Is it more power, prestige, possessions, and pleasure? Or connections, contributions, charity, and challenges? Those are the things that ultimately create the greatest memories and are where we're going to get the most value from life. It's return on experience, not return on investment. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, Me too. It's so so amazing. Like another year, one of our themes was, does it promote peace? That was a theme. It was a Hmm. question. But it was in the form of a question. We had so many things that year that we would like you know, someone would invite us to something or we would have the opportunity to invest in something or just do something. And we like, cause your tendency is just to say yes to everything. Yeah. Cause you want to do everything. And we'd be like, well, hold on. Does it promote peace? And it'd really give you pause. So I love the idea of having that filter of, is it the four P's or is it the four C's and having these filters through which to make decisions? Because I think, you know, the, one of the greatest costs individually as a family and as a business is when you're unconsciously doing things that are act, that are truly out of alignment with who you are. Mm. The cost of doing things that are out of alignment with who you are is like really, really costly beyond what we often perceive. Totally. And the payoff of doing things that are in alignment with us is like, you can't measure it, you know? So I'm, uh, again, I'm excited to read the book. Thank you for coming on. I love your story. Like what a fascinating journey from, from you know, Expected to be chiropractor to uh, the, the the Santa, the real life Santa. It's awesome. And we'll yeah. put connections to your book and, you know, any of your social media or anywhere um, people can, can connect with you. We'll put that in the show notes. And I have two final questions if I could ask you. Um, one is, what is the favorite, your favorite toy that you ever distributed mm-hmm. or sold? And then secondly, do you have any final advice or words that you'd love to leave with the audience? Favorite toy? I don't even know if you could buy it anymore, but it was a kite. It was actually an American flag that had this uh, little gyroscope that would go up the kite line and the wind would catch it and it would go to the top and it would release a glider. When it hit the top, it was a cluster, it released a glider and the glider would come back down. So That's cool. Yeah. I, I've never seen it since, but as a kid, I was just like this, you know, I left flying toys and Mm-hmm. Um, and that was certainly something that captured my imagination. 
Um, look, I, I think advice, I'm going to give you advice that my father gave me at an early age. And it was so impactful that I wrote it out and put it into a picture frame by my bed. So that every morning living in Canada, when it was cold and I wanted to roll over, I would roll out. And the advice was this in life, you're going to pay one of two prices, the price of discipline or the price of regret. The price of discipline weighs ounces. It'll cost you something. But the price of regret weighs a ton. It'll crush you with its weight. And for me, that's life. Uh, I think Jocko Wilnick says discipline equals freedom. Yeah. The idea that when you live a life of discipline and you live a life of integrity, I think you just talked about, you know, when you're aligned with your values in a flow state, right? When you're not, it's, it creates tumult in your life and creates chaos, quite frankly. But in order to get to that flow state, it's about being disciplined and focusing on what matters and putting the small efforts that required consistently over time that compound into meaningful outcomes in your relationships, in your faith, in your fitness, and in your family. Love that. Thank you. Yeah, all of that. And I appreciate you being here. And one last thing I'll add is that anyone that I know, because I've met uh, this summer, I met a lot of people that know Brad in Canada. They speak so highly of him um, and his family. So I just have to add that there that Brad is an amazing person, not just, of course, you heard that on the podcast, but in his community as well. So we appreciate you, Brad, and your time and your your expertise sharing that here with us today. Thanks, Chris and Melissa. It was my joy to be here today. Thank you so much for listening to the Family Brand Podcast. To say thank you, we have something really awesome we'd love to share with you. You know, we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed because of the demands that are placed on them. They feel like they're constantly being pulled in so many different directions and spread thin and they're spending time as a family, but they don't feel like it's quality time. They're not really connected and they want to be more intentional. And we can certainly relate because we felt like that at one point in, in our family. And so we created a guide that allowed us to really be more confident around how we spend time as a family and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And it's just brought so much more peace into our home. It's made our lives so much more simple and we want to share it with you. So if you go to familybrand.com, forward slash free, you can download the how to take back your family's time guide. And I can promise you it'll give you more confidence and more peace in your life than your family. One last thing, we feel so inspired when we hear from families that we are making a difference for them. We would love it if you would leave us a five star rating and a review on the podcast so we can reach even more amazing families. We truly believe that the way we change the world is one family at a time.